less stress, more time, more money. Welcome to the Cash Flow Contractor. Deep Dive. Martin, you there? I'm here, Khalil. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm I good. Can, I can see you on this uh, computer in front of me. We're not I'm in the sure same room today. I, I know you're there. I'm just, you've got to make the intro sound a little bit interesting, <laughs> at, at least, right? Of course. Um, how's your week going? It is uh, going better than I deserve. Uh, it's only Tuesday. So, it's a Dave things, Ramsey quote right things, there. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't he know that. He says that he has his radio show, people call yeah. in. And every time he asks them, how are you? They say, and how are you? And he says, better than I deserve. You know, uh, I guess we're, that makes it a cliche, but it's freaking true, man. Life is really, really good. Even though a lot of things are really, really bad, there's a lot more really, really good. And really lucky to Absolutely. be here. We very, we very much are. Very much are. Um, well, I think this is a great topic today. And I yeah. think that... Um, it probably is going to change the perspective of how a lot of the listeners think about competing. Yep. Um, and I think it's, you know, in business, it feels like there's almost infinite ways to compete probably. Um, but the reality is I think we've done a good job of narrowing it down into three clear areas. Um, and I think it's, you know, similar with sports, you know, you think about competition, you think about ways to compete and NBA playoffs are going on right now. And I really think there's, it's the same, same difference. Uh, you know, there's multiple competitors out there, but there's really only a handful of types of players and some are able to do all of it, but you've got these like assassins like James Harden who can <laughs> basically just score what, at will. What made you think of him? Well, the Oklahoma City Thunder are oh, playing that's right. the Rockets right now. Yeah, and it's 2-2. Who would have thought it's that two, about two. four days ago? Yeah. But, yeah, you've got, like, these people that are just, like, so good at this, the right. skill of basketball. Then you've got these people that are just incredible athletes that you probably put them in any sport and they're going to excel. Right. <laughs> and then you've got, like, some of these people like, you know, Steph Curry or, um, you know, whoever it is that is really – you know, not the most athletic, but can shoot better than anybody. Um, and is just throwing up shots all the time. And there's probably some guys in between there and there's a mix of everything. But, um, yeah, I think that, you know, they're all just competing and they're trying to follow through on like their strengths. And I think that's a big takeaway that we're going to have today is at the end of the day, you've got to be yourself right? and you've got to, you know, compete with your strengths, not with your, your weaknesses. You, you not only got to be yourself, but you ha- you have to understand who yourself is. Yeah, you got to know that's where, yourself. Yeah, that's that's where a lot of people fall down. The uh, uh, it's funny how these topics go because uh, these three things that we're going to talk about originated, uh, at least in in my mind, from a book a couple of guys, uh, Michael Tracy and Fred Wiersma wrote back in 1997, and it's a uh, kind of an academic book and you can tell by the names that they give the three ways to compete that it's an academic book and it was written toward big companies, uh, but applies to small companies as well. It, it applies to all of us as well. Hadn't really thought about it much. And, and, uh, I don't know, over the past four or five months, it's come up 
And so I'm talking to all the business owners I talk to about it now, and it's just really resonating with them. Uh, yeah. You can tell there are certain things you bring up and it's kind of ho-hum and maybe they didn't get it, but they get this one. So I'm glad we're doing it. I think it's really, really What important. are some of the situations that would that have brought this up? Well, I have uh, a client who called me about six months ago. Uh, he's been a client for quite a while and he's really transformed his business and his life. He's doing really well. And um, he, he was really a master. He does superior work. He uses great materials. Uh, he knows precisely what his customers want and he gives it to them. And when I say what they want, not only in the product and, and what he produces, he also understands their psyches. He knows what they care about. He understands that they're, they like communi- communication. They want to collaborate with him. They want to know what's going on. Uh, he knows what they're concerned about. And, and he always makes sure that he says he'll, that, that he does what he says he'll do and he does it on time. So it's really, really important to him. And about six months ago, he called up and I, I won't say he was in a panic, but he was definitely concerned because lowballers had been moving into his territory doing what, uh, at least nominally in name, doing what he did. And they were doing it for about half price. Mm-hmm. And uh, his question of me was, how am I supposed to compete with that? And I think you know what my answer was, right, Khalil? <laughs> you don't. You don't. You don't it's compete with It's a different game. That. And so that's where th- these really recently sprang to mind, these three three ways to compete. And uh, when I laid them on him, it, it was uh, just kind of like a light bulb went off or yeah. went on, not off. And uh, he said, wow, that makes a lot of sense. And he's had a lot of focus. It's only been six months, but you can tell in his demeanor and, and who he's selling, what he's selling, that that kind of clarity is really yeah. making a difference in his life. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, let's, I mean, I'm sure that you probably had to go through the, that's kind of, you talked about how that's why the three ways to compete kind of came up. And I think let's kind of give an overview of what this entire show is going to be about, uh, and what the three ways are. So, um, what are the three ways there's, you've got these three, what are they? Uh, the three ways to compete in any market, uh, available to all of us are operational excellence, product leadership and customer intimacy. And just Those in are the, the most academic yeah. terms you could ever come up with. Well, I said that the book was academic, right? I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know it, but I think these are a couple of PhDs. I think you lost everybody already. Well, product leadership for a contractor. Let's let's go back up and say operational excellence means that you okay. do things really well, you're efficient, and you could compete on price. Okay, if you wanted to. Okay, who's an produce- example? Like that's Walmart is competing on price. Yeah. They're not contractors, but absolutely. Sure, Walmart. sure. But just for yeah. understanding the term. Uh, the, the things about operational excellence. Uh, well, let, let's go through the list and then talk to specifics on them. Okay. Uh, so that we make sure that we don't miss all the specifics for each one. Uh, so we have operational excellence is one way. You're the low cost leader. Or at least you, you could be the low price leader if you wanted to and yeah. still make money. Product leadership means that you're innovative. It might mean that you have patents. It might mean that you have trademarks. It might be that you just package products in a way uh, that other people don't. And uh, mm-hmm. but but you are constantly tinkering with your offering and you're innovating. So so you have operational excellence, uh, 
product innovation, product leadership, product innovation. And then you have customer intimacy. And my old time example of a customer intimacy is a maitre d' in a high dollar restaurant in, in a big city. You know, uh, who? A, a maitre d', the head waiter. The head <laughs> at, waiter. At a white tablecloth, crumb scraper kind of uh, expensive wine glasses kind okay. of restaurant. High end waiter. High end waiter. And they charge an awful lot, but they're almost, I mean, it's cliche to say it, but they're almost fawning over you. They, they, they know everything about, you know, your kids' names, they, they know what your preferences are and they treat you that way and they charge a lot for it, but it's kind of like the, my cashier at McDonald's. Yeah. 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 (laughs) You know, through that box, you know, can I help you? Well, I know their name. I'm there. So I'm there so often. Oh, well, we it's have like to, my, my high-end waiter. Well, we're going to have to talk about that. There are probably some kidding. better options. I know you are. So anyway, those are the those are really the three ways. You compete on cost, i.e. price. You, you compete on your offering, what it is that you do that maybe other people don't do. Or, yeah. or three, you compete on your ability to understand your customers so well that they just want to do business with you and they'll pay for it. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, they, I mean, I think for, and I, I know I get these, I'm sure for a lot of listeners though, I'm playing a uh, listener right now, um, still don't get it. I think I get it, but it's not clear. So let's, let's dive in deeper to the first one, operational excellence. Okay. When does this work best? When is, when does operational excellence competing on price make sense? Well, one thing for all of them is that you go with your natural tendencies, especially mm-hmm. as small businesses. Um, operational excellence, if, if you like change, if you like constantly tinkering with your processes and your controls and your systems, if you're constantly tracking your numbers and you just really, your natural tendency is to do things really, really well, mm-hmm. uh, that affords you the opportunity uh, to be good at operational excellence. If that's not your natural tendency, it doesn't mean that you don't do it. We all want to be excellent in our operations, but it's easier. So the question is, when does it work best? It's easiest when that's your natural inclination. You have to know what your numbers are, uh, the bookkeeping, Mm -hmm. things like that, so you can tell where you stand and how you get better. Uh, I do want to throw out that uh, low cost, low price does not always mean excellent operations. And an example of that's the low ball guys that are competing with the client I talked right. about earlier. Uh, they're low ball, not because they know their costs and control them. They're probably low ball because they don't have a clue what their costs are and don't yeah. have a clue whether or not they're making money. On the flip side of that uh, is Apple computers. Uh, they have operational excellence. There's little doubt of that, but they don't give it away. They're not no, cheap, they right? So well, they're also, I would say they're more product leadership. Yes. Yes. But they, because but they also really, do operational excellence. I think any company that size is doing operational excellence, honestly. Well, to get to that, uh, we, we could. $2 trillion valuation. Well, any company that size is Apple because that's the only <laughs> company that's not. But bringing right. it back to our guys, I mean, um, being operationally excellent does not mean that you're the low price guy. And mm-hmm. if you're the low cost guy, it does not mean that you're operationally excellent. Sure. But uh, the, the usually pro- I think usually I think it's the operational excellent people that can actually afford to be right. the low price guy if they choose to go that route, like Walmart or Amazon. Right. 
because they can do things at scale. They can do things very, you know, efficiently. Right. Uh, so they can afford to do the lower price. And I think when what I see with contractors, it's usually the guys that are just starting that are doing the low cost method and they don't have the operational excellence. And they are usually the ones that have problems that they're not even aware of. They're the, usually the ones that are stressed out and they're the, usually the ones that don't last a long time. Right. Well, um, the the uh, thing about operational excellence is it's it's kind of ironic, but to be the low cost leader is very expensive. <laughs> and it's very and that's why I don't we'll, we'll discuss it at the end. But I always want operational excellence, I always want efficiency, but I don't want right. to compete. Uh, on, I don't want to translate low cost into low price. Right. Mm-hmm. If we succeed at doing it, I want my clients and I want my contractors to keep it. Okay. The people who generally are low cost and translate that into low price are either very small companies in which the owner does a lot of the work him or herself Mm -hmm. and they don't charge enough for it. Right. Yeah. Or they're the flip side of that, that you already brought up is uh, Walmart who spends millions of dollars to save pennies on billions of transactions. They have uh, devices that monitor the tire pressure in their trucks within a half PSI or within a certain PSI range to save an average of a half a gallon uh, per mile on their trucks. Well, that if you're a small contractor and you have two pickup trucks, that's not really going to make a lot of difference, but it's still going right. to be very expensive to do it. So yeah. uh, we all want to be as efficient as we can, but uh, want to make sure, at least in my mind, that we're not giving it away. And absolutely. And if you want to concentrate on it to the point that you're going to compete on price, uh, that's a tough place. That's a tough place for small contractors. Yeah. I think if, if you're going to, if you, if your strength is operational excellence, you should charge more for it, not charge less yeah. for it as a small business. Right. I think, I think small business owners, this is probably the most difficult one. Uh, you know, small, smaller contractors, and I'm saying even teams of like 50 or less, um, in my opinion, just it's, it's the most difficult because you're, you're going to be stretched as a small business owner and you're not going to have teams for single functions on your, right. on your, in your company usually. And that's what you would need to be operationally excellent. Now you can still be operationally excellent. You would just have to charge a premium for it, yeah. um, rather than, you know, be, be low cost. Well, um, you can be operationally excellent by not doing stupid things. So right. uh, maybe operationally good. <laughs> maybe yeah. you maybe you don't take it all the way to the nth degree, uh, but you, but we all need to be good. I yeah. just am opposed to giving it away. Uh, I don't want to mm-hmm. compete with Walmart. I don't want to compete with Home Depot. I don't want to compete with Amazon on uh, because we've already lost. Be- because it's yeah. so expensive to be really good. Well, I'll tell you a couple things that I notice. You just mentioned all these big companies, Home Depot, Amazon, Walmart, Lowe's, whatever it is. I think the usually people that are trying to uh, go for that low price, you know, low ball effect. Yeah, maybe it's a big investor that says, hey, we're going to you know bring out the market. But typically it's going to be a... a, a small shop, small guy who sees is around Home Depot, around Lowe's, sees that they're always doing sales. He loves sales. And so he thinks, oh, all my customers are going to love sales. I should do it too. I'll get, I'll win the job if I do that. 
And so that's kind of his method. But I think the other side of it is, you know, and I actually just posted on LinkedIn about this, not knowing what they're worth. And what I mean by that is if you don't know what you're worth, you are going to try to earn approval and earn your worth by doing things for other people. So you think that, man, there's no way that they're going to pay me this much money. So you're going to try to go above and beyond and not in a good way, in a bad way. You're going to start adding things, throwing in things for free, doing things that you're not charging for just so you can justify your worth for your customers. You know, that is great. We're spending a lot of time on this, but this is important because pricing issues are typically our own head trash uh, within absolutely within our within reason, but within a broad range. This happened to me last week in a conversation with a man. Uh, he had about three hundred fifty four hundred thousand dollars worth of bids out, and he hadn't had anybody pull the trigger for two weeks. And when we were talking via Zoom, he said, "Well, I don't know." He said, "I think you know it's probably price." Well, we spent years getting this guy's prices up. Uh, and margins up, really good margins, good prices, been doing well. But he had a bunch of quotes out and he wasn't getting any of them. And he said, I really think it's probably price. And I just hold up the timeout sign. I go, wait a minute. Will you have any, why are you saying that? Do you have any evidence? He said, well, I don't, I, you know, I don't know. But one guy said I was hiring this other guy. I said, well, let's hang on. I think this is your own head trash. Don't do it. Just hang in there. It's been working. Don't panic on two weeks. Last Saturday, uh, from the date we're talking right now, he yeah. texted me, sold four jobs that morning. And I, I don't know the total, but it was about $135,000, $40,000 worth. And one of the people came in and said, hey, you're, you're X thousand dollars higher. The materials are the same. Why is that? And he said, because I have to charge you enough to take care of you. And they said, okay. And they signed up. So he was laughing. He said, you were right. I stuck by my guns, went through that dip. We've all been there where you're not selling anything. You think the world's coming to an end. And, but he, he had the courage to hang in there. He didn't change his prices. Yeah. And he got the bids. But he also got something else. If he had changed his prices last week, called people up and changed his prices, yeah. and they had bought on Saturday as they did anyway, he would now say erroneously, Hey, I lost those jobs because of price. So I'm going to have to start making pricing concessions. So it was really an important uh, victory in two ways. He got the jobs and he also did not get a false lesson from that. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think the other thing that he got, if he would have gone back to that old pricing and and lowered the price, right. Right. And um, he would have won the jobs. He would have taken on a lot of stress. Right. Because he wouldn't be able to, you know, and have the he'd margins. still be worried about the money in the bank. Yeah. Yeah. He'd, his margins would have sucked. He wouldn't be able to hire the the people that he needs to right. down the road because he doesn't have the cash in the bank. Um, you know, all these different troubles would have come because he wouldn't have believed in himself, essentially. And I think that's probably this. I mean, I'm glad we're spending time on it because it's so important for any business owner, but especially contractors. You have to know your worth or you are going to suffer. You are and, going and to you stressed. have to know your worth during those times when you didn't get the last four bids you put out. Absolutely. Uh, it's okay. Yeah. I mean, it's better not to have the job than to be stressed out right. and not have money and be spending all your time 
working on this and not with your family and, and not working on your business, just working in it. Um, so yeah, know your worth because it's the, it's the little, it's, it's not the one job that you prize low that's going to do this to you. Right. But it's the series of jobs that you continue to do where eventually you're burnt out and you're questioning why you even went into business in the first place. Well, and this lead us into a lot of other podcasts, but, um, it, it, it really does. It takes courage to do that. And I know that I've got listeners out there. We've got listeners out there who right now are thinking, yeah, right. You know, I've got to get, I'm getting blown out on this bid. I'm getting blown out on that bid. My prices are too high. I'm going to cut them yeah. down. Well, there's a way, a way around that. And, and mm-hmm. we'll talk about, we'll mention a little bit today, a USP, but we have to give people reasons other than price yeah. to do business with us. So just kind of back operational excellence as the academics called it means that you're super efficient, low cost producer, which negatively translates to compete on price. We want everybody to be operationally excellent and low cost. I personally don't like people to compete on price. That's the toughest swamp to wade. Uh, Somebody can always kick your tail and especially the guys who have no clue what their costs are and are going to go broke. But in the meantime, they're damaging you. Yeah. Well, um, let's go to the next strategy. Okay. The next um, you know way that somebody can compete is product leadership, which doesn't mean anything. <laughs> so what does it mean, Martin? Well, it's innovation. I mean, you can think about it really innovative, like uh, you developed the iPhone or a new app or something like that, or you can find new machines, um, that enable you to do things that uh, customers want that you couldn't do before. But basically it's innovation in the way that uh, in the way that you do business and what you offer the uh, your market. And I think in contracting, I mean, there's new materials, there are new methods for building, there are new architecture thing, uh, you know, new design architecture and design, but innovation for most of us is really hard. Uh, if, doesn't mean that we don't pursue new things. We don't mean that we're not interested in new things, mm-hmm. but it's really hard to be profound all the time. And it's really hard to be the, to carve out and maintain a, uh, an innovative leadership position because it not only has to be cool and new to you, it has to matter to your customers. And yeah. so uh, it's, it's tough. And com- there are companies who do that, um, it's not something that I recommend my clients when they walk in that I say, Hey, why don't you start competing on innovation unless they're already innovative. And and we do have manufacturers and contractors who are innovative. And it's, it's another one of those things that it's almost a natural bent. Uh, There Mm -hmm. are people who are creative and there are people like me who are not creative. (laughs) Yeah. And if you told me, go, go create something. I mean, I have a hard enough time coming up with our four things for the, uh, Mount Rushmore, right? <laughs> so uh, everybody's creative in certain ways, but if you want to compete on that and you're going to rely on that, I consider that to be the toughest, the the toughest strategy. It's just because it's I, hard I think to do. It, yeah, it, but I, I think it doesn't have to. I, I want to be careful with the term innovation. You know, I I think for my team, whenever we do employee reviews, one of the things I rate them on is innovation, and I, we don't create software. We don't create you know, new technology, but just how are you improving is basically what I'm trying to think of. How are you doing something different that's improving maybe our processes or 
um, maybe you found a different way for us to make content or whatever it is. And so I think it's it with with contracting, it doesn't have to be something crazy. It doesn't have to right. be like a new, uh, completely new material that you're using or something like that. I really think you can find little ways of innovating that's doing it different from the people, at least in your local area. Right. And so maybe that's just, you know, understanding what's happening in the, in the biggest markets and what the trends are, understanding what's happening on design and not from you're actually going to go and, you know, create something from scratch, but you're going to have something, what I like to call a swipe file, which is things that you swipe from other people. Mm. Right. Um, so what, and that's a shout out to Dave Gerhart. Uh, he had a podcast called the swipe file for marketing, but what is your swipe file? Are you getting onto Pinterest, for example, and looking at what the trends are? Are you, uh, following any designers that are, you know, designing new things? Are you following, you know, people on YouTube or house that are po posting things that you can also go and do? Because it's likely that, you know, in bigger markets, they're going to be a new trend on what kind of, you know, countertop surface they're using or what kind of, um, you know, sinks they're going to use or faucets, um, you know, I'm trying to think of different things that might apply well, different swim, types swim, of swimming pool innovations. One that popped in my mind real quickly. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. There's, there's always and there different, just so many new things going on. Yeah. There's always something new that's happening. And so if you can just pay attention to those things and understand what's happening in your area and try to implement new things, that's how you can have some product leadership here. And that's where, what you're charging a premium for is because you're always aware of what's trending always aware of what's new right. and maybe you're someone that already does that naturally that's probably what's going to fit you best um and if you don't think about this stuff a lot i don't recommend trying to become the best at that in your area um maybe you hire someone who's really good at it but uh it's definitely you have to have an eye for it it's it's definitely more of a creative side and a visionary side than it is someone who's just logistical right well, and that that will remind people that um, we want to emphasize one, be, be at least good at the other two. So if if you choose uh, customer intimacy, which is up next, doesn't mean that you abandon uh, innovation and it doesn't mean that you abandon right. trying to be efficient. It just is the one that you concentrate on. Absolutely. And usually, you know, the people that are in the the product leaders, the, you know, the people that are most innovative, always doing new things, they're not able to be as operationally excellent because for operational excellence, you have to have like systems, you've got to have really efficient processes and you've got to be able to do a lot of it at scale. And that's one thing that doesn't scale well is innovation up front. There's a reason why, you know, it takes forever to release new iPhones and to release software and they do beta testing and all these different things. They can't just send it out the next day after it's made. Um, so just understand that's why these are different strategies because uh, it's hard to do both at the same time. Right. So, um, yeah, let's talk about the next one, customer intimacy. Customer intimacy. That, that's kind of almost scandalous the way it sounds, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it means you understand your customers so well that uh, you can you can give them what they want. Uh, the thing I like about customer intimacy 
is it's uh, critically important at all times in all businesses, I think, to understand your customers. Uh, much of what we talk about, especially for fall, small businesses, is um, we have to find ways uh, that we can compete. We're not going to be the low-cost producer uh, yeah. going against Walmart. Period. End of discussion. Now, mm-hmm. I'm be limiting myself or limiting you, but I just think that's not the way to bet. So right. uh, we're not going to be uh, coming out with a new iPhone, probably. So <laughs> one thing that is available to all of us is to understand our customers really well, to have a, a really strong USP, a unique selling proposition, a really good understanding of why our customers buy from us other than price. Uh, we have a real good understanding. This is your area of who our customer is because different customers uh, want different things. So we have to know who we're, we're talking to. And so uh, it, it extends beyond just the product that you deliver. It's like the story that I was telling at the beginning. It's understanding uh, communication is huge with customers and contracting. I just tell our listeners, if you're having difficulty out there, if you just communicate with every prospect in every current job you have customers every Friday afternoon, you send them a text or an email that says, we're not coming next week as promised because of rain or because we got backed up or because a brick wall fell down or whatever it is. You don't really want to tell them that because that's bad news, but they are going to ultimately appreciate that. And if you become the known as the communication guys that keep you, keep your customers in the loop and they always know what's going on, your business Mm -hmm. will grow from just that. Uh, Because I've just seen it so much that customers value that. So, uh, showing people respect, collaborating with them, uh, doing things when you said you would, uh, and if you can't, communicating that. uh, Those things people really value. One of the hard things is I have clients who actually don't like their customers and maybe some people listening, uh, you know, that's kind of tough because they, they're, they're really important. They're not always right, but they're really, they're always important. And so sometimes there might be some people who don't compete on customer intimacy of, of knowing your customer, but it's worth it to make a supreme effort in that regard. Um, and so that that's the one that I like the most. It's available to most of us, right? Or it's available to all of us. It's something all of us can do. It's something that gives a small guy a competitive advantage against the huge guys because, right? Walmart in Little Rock or Bentonville does not understand your clients as well as you do if you take nope. the time to understand them. So it's kind of a natural competitive advantage against big guys. And it's also a competitive advantage against a lot of your competitors because a lot of them duck and run. They don't want to be, I don't want to say they're cheats, but they don't want to be honest and say, well, I'll be there Friday when they know full well, that's not going to happen, but it gets them off the case. So customer intimacy is, is mine of mine of choice. And if you can be at least good as a product leadership and good in your operational excellence, your, your efficiency, I think that's a sweet spot for most of us in small business. Oh, absolutely. I think, I think for, for most people, this is the most accessible, like you said. And, um, 
it makes sense because a lot of their business is coming from word of mouth referrals. And in order to get referrals, you have to be good with your clients and your customers so that they give you referrals. Um, and you're usually, if you're just starting, um, and even after you just, you've started, but, uh, when you're starting, you're reaching into your network for, for business. And so, you know, them already well, um, it's why customers choose to shop locally because they feel like there's a personal connection there. That's why right. local, you know, sounds so good to, to customers. Um, it's why we go to the same, same local restaurant each week or each month, whatever it is, it's because we feel known, uh, it feels special and authentic. So absolutely. I think this is the easiest one to compete on. And it's something uh, that I'll, I'll... I'm going to disagree with you just a little bit. It's not the easiest one necessarily, but it's the one that's available to us. Yeah. It's not necessarily easy. And I know you didn't mean it that way. Yeah. I think it's it's easier than really being operationally excellent. Maybe it's the least expensive. Maybe that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It was the most, most plausible for us. Um, So I, well, I didn't, I I got your point. I just wanted to make. Yeah. uh, Yeah, for sure. It's not necessarily cheap in yeah. terms of time or money because mm-hmm. the uh, to do the communication thing takes a lot of time, a lot of discipline, right. a lot of effort. And I think I think this is where it, it actually gets really hard for contractors because they they choose to to compete on com- customer intimacy, on knowing their customers, on being there for them, on serving them well. And because they develop that relationship with them, a lot of times they feel like they can't price themselves highly. And because they, they can't do that to that person. They feel like they're maybe cheating them or whatever it is. And you have to get that out of your head because otherwise you're not going to be able to serve them well whenever you've got an influx of customers that aren't paying you enough and you don't have (laughs) enough time, enough staff to be able to serve them. I mean, you've got to charge them what it's worth to, you know, use you and know you and get that service. Um, it's worth every penny uh, to them. And you have to get out of your head that it's not that you're cheating them. Right. Well, you um, have to give them something for it. And that's that intimacy. I, I for using the uh, communication, um, I, I ask people that have a contractor, there are lots of different kinds of contractors, but let's say residential contractors. When I have neighbors or friends, I said, how did you choose the contractor? Almost every time the answer comes back, he's the only one who called me back, right? Yeah. And every contractor I talked to, I mentioned this idea of weekly communication with everybody with whom you're doing business, at mm-hmm. least update them, let them know what's going on. Every contractor says, oh, hell yeah, that would be the best thing in the world. And very few of them do it. And it's not because they don't see the value. It's because yeah. it's hard. And the it's thing very about difficult. It, it's hard to do that. If you commit to communicate every Friday or every Thursday or whatever it is, it's hard to do. And that is the gold or the silver lining because it's hard to do. People don't do it. And that's why it's available to you. If you yeah. want to stand out, communicate. And that's just one of the strategies of mm-hmm. customer intimacy, but it's hard to do. Well, and, and that's why I think it's so important if you're really small, you know, 10 or less, uh, employees or something like that. I think one of your best hires can be an office person who makes sure that every email is responded to every phone calls answered and they can keep every, every customer in the loop and give that personal touch. Yep. As you get bigger though, 
it's not, it, it can't just be that one person or, and you can't just hire five office people to take care of it necessarily because there's too many different touch points with all these different customers you have. It has to become a part of your culture. You've got to in, 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 um, implement it at the culture level so that every single person right. understands that communication is key. And you as the business owner, as the, you know, the president, CEO, founder, whatever you want to call it, you've got to model it by example. Um, you know, something that I'm working on, I'm, I'm not a contractor, but something that I'm working on for our culture is I really want us to be content creators. And that's something that we've, uh, we've struggled with as a team culturally. We've got a con- you know, content team, but we struggle to create content for ourselves. That's what we're doing with this podcast. Um, so I'm trying to lead by example by investing in this podcast, creating content. But I've just started this week we use a tool, a tool called Slack for workplace communication. It's essentially like, um, you know, a messaging tool like iMessage or Facebook Messenger, but for our team internally. And I'm trying to post essentially like a writing prompt every day. You know, yesterday I said, hey, what was the best thing that happened this weekend for you? Today I said, hey, what's one skill that you learned this month or in the past three months uh, that you've developed and how did you develop it? And then I respond to it. And if I can get our team thinking about things like that, then that allows us to then think in terms of creating content because we're doing it inside of our workplace communication. Maybe that will bleed into the social aspect. And then if I've started posting regularly onto social media to create content, and I think my team is going to see that. So my biggest thing is whatever area you choose here, especially the customer intimacy side, you as the, the owner of your business, as the leader in your business, have to be an example. If you don't do it, there's no way you have a very small chance that your team's going to follow suit. Right. Yeah. And that, that kind of brings back uh, what we said initially of the three operational excellence, product leadership and customer intimacy, uh, deciding which one I, I always uh just generally in favor of the customer intimacy, know your customer, know your customer, know what they want. Yeah. But if it, you kind of go with your natural bent, mm-hmm. <laughs> I know people who efficiency is more important to them than sales. It's just kind of like, that's their thing. You and I yeah. both know a guy like that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, product leadership. There are people who are always, I mean, as soon as they get something figured out, they throw it over their shoulder and move on to the next thing. Um, yeah. And, your natural tendency, maybe they got their patent attorney on speed dial, you know, uh, <laughs> and maybe of those first two types, they don't even like their customers. I mentioned, I have clients whom I know don't like their customers. Now they fake it. And I think they like them a little more than they yeah. let on when they're talking to me. Cause they're always kind of groaning about it and they're successful. So they, they've got to at least, but pandering to customers and pandering is a bad word, but trying to figure out exactly what customers want and giving it to them. They kind of almost don't even care about that <laughs> being efficient right. or making new products is more. So it's really hard to, uh, to concentrate on something that isn't in your natural tendency. I think most of us have all three of those in us. Mm-hmm. And the one that's most available again is customer intimacy, understand your customer, come up with a USP, uh, an idea other than price, uh, that your customers want yeah. and then run your company that way. Yeah. I think we should come up with some different names for these, Martin. I think that 
<laughs> no one's going to remember these uh, these academic words. So what what's another name for operational excellence? Okay, price. You're competing on price. Compete on price. Yeah. Product leadership. Yeah. Compete on innovation. Compete on innovation. What's another way of saying that? Um, I don't know that there is. Innovators. <laughs> compete on innovation, and then customer industry compete on communication. Commun- compete on relationship. Yeah, relationships. Yeah. Yeah. C- compete on relationship. Um, good. Okay. That's what we've got. So we've got compete on price, compete on innovation, compete on relationship. Right. Um, even more simpler, price, innovation, relationship. There you go. Those are the three ways. And you've got to be good at all three. And stick to your guns, like Martin said. Choose your strength. Stick to it. Be good at all of them and be excellent at one of them. But I'll also reiterate, I'll also say that it's really hard to change from one strategy to another one if you get really big. Like if you've been trying to compete on price for for ages and you've got all this work and you're short-staffed and don't have time and don't have money, it's going to be really hard to all of a sudden be competing on relationship because you don't have the manpower, you don't have the time to be able to execute on it. Um, so if you are a smaller contractor, figure this out sooner than later. Um, it's kind of like we talked about with Sergio in our interview with him, uh, more money, more problems. Like your problems get bigger as you as you get bigger. So, right. um, well, I think it's time for us to uh, go on to our Mount Rushmore segment but I feel like we should actually share the um, the one thing before we jump into that. So like the one thing that you can, something you can actually go do. Uh, we've got a, a workbook in the show notes for the unique sell- selling proposition workbook. We've referenced it several times already. Martin, you want to give us a definition of a USP? Yeah. Unique selling proposition means reasons other than price. People will buy from you. And the benefit of working through the workbook that's in the show notes, the USP workbook, is that it helps you understand what maybe is already going on in your business. Um, That you understand people are buying because they like and trust you, not because you're the low ball leader. But working through that and coming up with your own unique selling proposition uh, is not exactly and perfectly this and synonymous with the three areas of business. But it, or three areas of competition, but it points you in the right direction. It's a great exercise and it's worthwhile doing. Good. Yeah. And I, I think that's a great starting point because it just does make you focus on who your customer is and what you are to them. Right. Um, it really just makes you define that and give you a clear roadmap of, hey, this is the strategy we're going right. forward with to beat our competition. Um Okay, so now that we know what a USP is, it is time for our Mount Rushmore segment. <laughs> of course. So uh, we're doing the best USPs. I, I'm actually excited about this one. I think this is one of our better Mount Rushmores. What uh, are the... Let's go one for one here. So you okay. go one, I'll go one. Best well, my, USPs you know. My favorite one, stopped and took a picture, is a convenience store located at, located at the intersection of Highway 281 in Interstate 80 in Nebraska. And these guys have a giant sign. Where is that? That's the middle of nowhere, right? 
uh, middle of nowhere. Some people in Nebraska would object to that, but I think most would agree. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, especially in January. But anyway, these guys have a giant sign that you can see from the interstate and Highway 281, and it says, best looking cashiers. And yet, <laughs> I pulled off and went in, and no. It's a couple of like, it's a couple of guys. I won't go any further than that. <laughs> but they got me in the damn store, right? So anyway. Yeah, you were you were hoping to get something more than a couple I of guys, weren't you? It, well, figuratively <laughs> speaking. <laughs> I bet I bet it's just, I mean, you never see a sign like that. No. I think that's what's great about that yeah. one is it's it's kind of like, wait, what? Best yeah, looking Somebody cashiers? thought of that, got approved of it, had a sign company make it, it's a injected molding sign, and made it and put mm-hmm. it up there. But it's working because, uh, well, I don't know if any listeners are going to stop by, but we're talking about it. Yeah. Well, and I think what's great is no one else is saying that. Yeah. You can claim it. And if someone else tries to copy it, it's obvious. Well, maybe not for them because they're not national. You know, you might be able to be in like North Carolina and say that. Nobody ever see it. No one ever know. But I hope they trademark that. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and go my first one with Carl's Jr., uh, I don't know if everybody remembers the $6 burger um, from Carl's Jr., but I thought that was a great USP of just, you know, you've got McDonald's, you've got Burger King, and they're selling Big Macs and Whoppers. Hey, we're coming out with the $6 burger just to show, hey, it's, you know, what is the the phrase there? Um, it reassuringly expensive. Oh, I was just going to use that for my USP, man. That is still a... What is it? Stella Artois, the beer? Yeah. Yeah. Reassuringly expensive. It's, yeah. it's more expensive, but you're like, I'm paying for quality. It's going to be better. It's Angus beef, whatever. I think it's a really great way of people being like, oh, wow, like it's a $6 burger. Right. Um, so anyways, I thought that was a good one from Carl's Jr. What's what's your next one? Okay. FedEx. It absolutely positively has to be there overnight. No mention of price, right? Oh, and uh, we all take that, that for uh, granted right now. But when that when they started saying that, I guess probably in the 80s, maybe late 70s, I remember FedEx came out and they said, when it absolutely positively has to be there overnight, I was staggered. I thought, how in the hell are they going to do that? Well, they did it so well that we don't even think about it anymore. As a matter of fact, we're usually upset if our Amazon order doesn't come the next day. And now they're coming the same day. So but anyway, that was a USP. They're going to compete on on customer intimacy, which was the idea that that contract, that signed contract from Omaha, Nebraska, had to be in New York City by 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. And yeah, you just kind of figured it was going to cost something. Oh, of course. Of course. Okay. My next one is three-day kitchens. Uh, Three-day kitchen and bath, I think is what it's Mm -hmm. called. But um, there's is something along the lines of floor to ceiling renovation, but the big catch is in three days or less guaranteed. And that's in, um, what's the Michael Gerber book? Um, the, the uh, E-Myth. E-Myth for well, contractors. Well, it's actually E-Myth contractors, yeah. Yeah, the contractor edition. Great book. We'll put that in the show notes too. Um, but yeah, if uh, if you get a kitchen, like you're going to remodel your kitchen, you use three-day kitchen and bath, um, and they don't finish the job in three days or less, you get it for free. And so 
that is yeah, absolutely people, uh... crazy in my mind, but they have just done operational excellence and they've charged a premium for it. Right. They're not, uh, but customer intimacy because they know that kitchen sure. remodels drag out for years sometimes and mm-hmm. in and out before the wedding in May. And, uh, I asked people, you know, what do you suppose that's high price, middle price, low price. Oh, that's gotta be outrageously expensive. <laughs> yeah, it is right. Yeah. But if you want it, that's what you pay for. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. What's your next for one? Me, uh, Southwest airlines. I think they're all well known for their culture, uh, which is hugely important. It's customer intimacy of a certain, they know the type of person. Um, but they also are operationally excellent. Their premise was that they wanted to compete with driving. And, uh, that was, uh, can't remember his name. Uh, founder. Anyway, uh, that was their original premise that we're going to compete, uh, with mm-hmm. driving, but we're going to do it in such a way. So they were really, really good at at least those two. Uh, they're pretty yeah. good on the innovation side too, just with a lot of their clever slogans and things like that yeah. that aren't, uh, technology, but really matter like your bags fly free and things yep. like that. They charge for the bags in their ticket, but then they tell you they're free. And so you're thinking they're good guys. So anyway, Southwest Airlines really got it. Yeah. I think there's a lot to say with that too. I mean, people are, if you're, if you're trying to go for that low cost method and you keep on like throwing in free stuff or discounting things, like you can still get away with that, you know, do an example of bags fly free, but just add it into the cost. You know, maybe it's, you know, hundred dollar gift card for every referral. You just build it into the, into the quote, you know what I mean? (laughs) So anyways, um, that's a good one. I like Southwest. Uh, mine, my third one's Starbucks. Um, the third place is, and that's almost a vision, but they really came up with, Hey, we are the third place. And what that means is you spend most of your time at work and most of your time at home. And so they wanted to be that third place that you go to, uh, where you spend time And it. They honestly, this is a customer industry. They, they recognize that people wanted a place to hang out other than like the bar. Um, and where they can go and read the newspaper or have coffee with somebody. And I think at the same time, it was innovation. They completely changed culture in America. They took an Italian um, you know, concept of spending time at the, at the cafe in the afternoon. They brought it to America. Uh, and now there's coffee shops all over the place because of that. Um, and I think it's a great USP. And people, I mean, I personally don't really like Starbucks coffee. I'm kind of a coffee snob. But... I will still go to Starbucks to spend time uh, and grab coffee with somebody to maybe work from there. Uh, and they, they know that, you know, that's their USP. They've got the fastest Wi-Fi. They've got, you know, lots of seating available with comfortable chairs. They want you to spend time there. You can read the newspaper for free if, if you don't walk away with it, you know, things like that. And we'll do that again when the COVID thing is over with. Yeah. Actually, they true. already are opening up, at least around yeah. here. Yeah, for sure. Okay. What's your last one? Uh, enterprise rental cars. Um, we will pick you up now. That's a, that's a great USP, uh, because anybody else could do it, but they claimed it. It's a preemptive USP because they just can't go out there and say, well, they could, um, but we'll pick you up too, but it's a customer intimacy, um, approach to the marketplace of understanding what people want. They understood that people are having a hassle, getting to get their car and take them back. Well, we'll come get you and take care of it for you. 
which honestly I've, I've used enterprise a few times. I've never done that. Have you ever, no. have you ever had them pick you up? No. Like I, <laughs> I know, but I don't every, even know I've, if they still do it. Oh yeah, they do. Well, no, I don't know if they do, but if you ask never, anybody do it today, somebody in line at say, Starbucks oh, yeah, and say, what's enterprises deal? Slogan. Cause they don't know. Yeah. Slogan. They won't say USP and they'll, we'll pick you up. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Very interesting. And I, I, even if I don't use that service of them picking me up whenever I rent a car, I still get the sentiment that they care. Yeah. That they would. That they would. They, they would go out of their way to help me. Right. And so even then I'm going to use them because of that sentiment. But I really, I, I knew you were going to go with a, uh, enterprise car rental price. And so I actually went with a competitor national rent a car. Um, or national car rental and their USP is car rental at the speed of business. And the difference with them is yeah. you get to the airport uh, and you're renting a car. The keys are already in the ignition. You don't say hi to a soul. You go to your car. They tell you get an email with your lot space number. You go to it, you get in the car and you leave. And uh, that's a big deal because especially business travelers who are frequently renting cars, they're, they don't want to sit in the line waiting to talk to somebody and give them all their information and all these different things. Get in the car and go. Um, and well, that's different. I think that's, that, that shows an understanding of their target market because in that oh, case, they're absolutely. targeting business travelers as opposed to mom and dad and three kids and 15 suitcases. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I think, again, they've got multiple of these strategies. Yeah, they're doing the customer. They know their audience. But at the same time, it's operational excellence. Like you've got to have a lot in place to be able to, to just leave the keys in the car. <laughs> right. And right. have people drive off and know where they are and who they are and all those things. So, um, yeah, those are those eight USPs right there uh, to get you thinking. And there's several things you can do as a contractor, especially if you're targeting that um, relationship aspect, uh, customer intimacy, if you will, competing on relationship. I think some great things that you can talk about. I know there's, there's an electrician, I believe who has uh, happiest technicians. Um, and they, whenever they show up to a house, they're happy and they're always trying to do a favor for somebody picking up. I think I've mentioned this before in one of the episodes, uh, but they're always doing something to help, even if it's not anything related to an electrician, you know, taking out the trash, rolling up the trash bin, you know, screwing in a new, a new light bulb, um, picking up leaves. I don't know. So that's, that's one way to do it where you you're building that relationship with people. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of different ways you can come up with things and it doesn't have to be something that is super clever, um, like best looking cashiers. Yeah. There's bonus points for that, but don't feel like you've got to figure out something that's going to rock the world. Right. Um, so, um, okay. We are on to our second to last segment here, uh, quote of the day, which gets a boom. Uh, what's our quote, Martin? Well, it's, uh, you can't be all things to all people. Do what you were made to do by Robert Kiyosaki. And that's uh, not a thrilling quote, but it's a true quote. <laughs> you, you can't be all things to all people. If you're after the cheap guys and you're after the guys who want quality and excellence and you're after to the innovators who want the newest and most modern you can't be all three of those things all the time you have to have to choose and and dominate in one 
be good at the others, but choose one. Okay, good stuff. I like it. Great. What's the name? Uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Rich, I'm not sure if that came from that book. He's got several, but Rich but Dad. But he's the Poor author Dad. of it. Yeah, he's the author. Um, okay. Well, uh, you know, we're about to talk to Ethan, but you had mentioned at the beginning, you know, that one of uh, your clients had called because there was a lowball competitor coming in and slashing prices in half, and he didn't know how he was going to compete. And you told him, you don't. Right. Um, what ended up happening there? Well, it was really fun because it was kind of like a light bulb went off. Uh, he just kind of, yeah. And so he quit competing on uh, price. He, and he actually reached the point, he gathered the courage that people who called up, some industrial type clients called up and said, well, they're lower. And he said, well, I have to send you their way because I just can't do it. Some of them are coming back anyway. But the other benefit of him choosing uh, is that he pays attention now and he's learning more and more and more mm. what people want and he's getting better and better and better at that. And he, he, he tell people his price range uh, on the phone. And when he tells them the bottom, the low end of his price range is double what these other guys are. And you'll hear, well, these guys will do it for that. And he says, well, I, I understand that. Uh, we're different, but please use them if, but we're always here. He never uh, burns bridges because right. sometimes they come back, but it's made all the difference. And he's not stressing over it all the time because they, I'm just not doing that anymore. I'm not trying right. to figure out how to, how to do all this top quality work with all this customer service and charge half. He's just not doing it. So it's been right. a great success and a stress reliever. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's just so much more confidence from customers too. Whenever you stick to your guns like that, they, they know that they're going to be taken care of. And they view um, you as a professional. People, yeah, it's absolutely. that reassuringly expensive that you brought up. People don't expect to get, uh, top quality, uh, people, service, products, jobs, and uh, not pay for it. No, sometimes right. some people want that, but they got, they're not going to get it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ethan's insights. We ready, Ethan? Yes, sir, can you guys hear me? Okay. Yeah, we oh. can hear you. All right. Um, Let's get our music going. We've got a minute on the clock. Give us your recap. Go for it. All right. So today we talked about the three ways to compete. Uh, the moral of the story was about people undercutting your prices. Don't compete with them. Know your worth and stick with it. We then talked about operational excellence. Uh, low cost, low price does not always mean you have operational excellence. You want to be efficient, but you don't want to give it away. Uh, know your worth and stick with it, like I said at the beginning, or you will suffer. Uh, product leadership or innovation. It can't just matter to you. It has to matter to your customers. Uh, how are you going to do something different that can benefit your business is what you should ask yourself. Uh, create a slide file. Go find ideas for trends in bigger markets and apply them into your business. Then we talked about customer intimacy. Uh, you want to understand your customers so well that you give them exactly what they want. Uh, have a unique selling point and know how your customer feels about it and how why they want it. Know who your customers are and why they want your product. And customer intimacy is one of the three that is accessible to all of us. So you can go and apply it in your own business. The cheapest, maybe not the cheapest, but you can you can apply it to your business. Uh, and it doesn't just 
happen. You have to, as you grow, you have to make it a part of your company culture. Cut uh, customer intimacy, like Chick-fil-A, for instance. And the last point I'd say, you don't have to be excellent at all three, but be excellent at one and good at the other two. All right. You're good. Good you stuff. Pay a little longer than a minute. <laughs> yeah. But I think a good little recap. He's got the coolest music, though. He does. He does. Well, um, right at an hour, Excellent. three ways to compete. Um, if you have any questions, use the show notes to get in contact with us. We'd love to chat with you about your USP. We'd love to chat with you about what strategy might work best for you and how you can implement that strategy better into your uh, business. So anything else you got for us, Martin? Just have courage and confidence, guys. It, it works. It works every time when the courage it is does. finally there you decide to take a strategy it works yeah yeah be focused be committed believe in yourself know what you're worth and uh go out there and compete uh appreciate it thank you martin thank you ethan see you next time all right see you guys thanks for listening to the cash flow contractor check out our website in the show notes or visit the cashflowcontractor.com What's up, Cashflow Contractors? Khalil here. Thank you so much for getting to the end of this episode. It means the world to us that you're listening. Uh, I've got a favor to ask. So we are looking for contractors who would like to have a consult, a free consult with myself and with Martin um, for about 30 minutes to an hour. Uh, we'll basically just ask you questions about your business, about what it's like for you to work as a contractor, and then we will answer any of your questions specific to your business. Then we'll make that a live episode for other contractors to learn from, to engage with. Uh, and we think it's a great way for people to really see clear, uh, specific answers to problems that contractors have. So if that interests you at all, we're not going to share any of your information. Um, we, you don't even need to say your name on the episode. But I think we want to get some more of these episodes out there. And if you're willing to do that, we've got a link in the show notes that allows you to just submit a form for a consult, then we'll schedule it with you and record it, and we'll put you live on, on uh, the podcast. So if that interests you, please check it out in the show notes. If not, no worries. Or if you know someone else that you think would be interested in it, send it to them. That'd be great. But appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us. And yeah, we hope that you're finding less stress, more time, and more money. Thanks.